It's so easy to take for granted stuff that's just always there. These people spend a lot of time preparing to help us worship God so that we can get the most out of it. They need our undying appreciation, so give them a hand right now. I don't want to steal their blessing away because they don't do it for accolades. They do it because they love Jesus Christ and because they want to serve this. But it is so wonderful. I want you guys to know how wonderful it is what you're doing. And it really does help us worship. And then we have um, Juliet who has come back. And now recently we have added this piano thing. What a blessing. So thank you all so much. All right, I guess. Well, a couple things we have to talk about first, and then I'm going to have the kids come up. Um, two things. Next Sunday, next Sunday, right after church, we are having a 99th birthday party for Jenny. Oh, and she was here a couple weeks ago, and she doesn't always able to get out. She watches on, on the, the internet, um, so it's just like she's here for, for, uh, for, the, for her, but um, it's not as nice as being here. So we really want to honor her, and, and you're all invited, and it's going to be right after church. Um, Fern is kind of heading that up, so I don't know, food-wise and everything, are, are they? Okay, they're all good. So um, come and honor Jenny. Um, if, I don't get to see her all the time, but a, a couple of women from the church here visit her on a very regular basis, a number of you do, and you... Every time I see her, I'm just amazed, and I'm sure they are too, how grateful she is, how joyful she is, how she loves her church family. And so um, if you can't come, at least be praying for Jenny. Um, she, what, a wonder, what a wonderful saint. And this is our opportunity to just say thank you, and, and we are so blessed to have you, even when you can't attend in person. So that's a week from today. Now... Two weeks from yesterday, which is October 21st at 1 o'clock, is a memorial service for Dan Spath. He was the corrections officer who was murdered not three blocks from here, trying to take a deer off of the road and, and get it to safety, and he was shot and killed right out here on the street. And so, as you might imagine, that's been a very, very difficult situation for his family. And they reached out to us initially, would you help us with this service? And we said yes. And I believe this, this is a wonderful opportunity for Machias Community Church as a church family to show the community and the people around us that we care about them and love them whether they go to our church or not, whether they're Christians or not. And so we have stepped up and said, yes, we will try to take as much off your plate. As you might imagine, he had a wife and a seven-year-old son who didn't see any of this coming, and it's been very overwhelming for their family, so overwhelming it's been difficult for them, as you might imagine, to deal with this high-profile, very public thing. It was on the news a couple of times. And then he's in the, the law enforcement community, so there's going to be, we're ex they're expecting, because of, because of his profession, they're expecting somewhere between two and 400 people trying to deal with the logistics of that for the family was just overwhelming. And so we're trying to take as much of that burden off of them 
and serve them in a, in a way that honors God. In order to do that effectively, we need your help. What would be really, really great is if this was a church-wide effort to serve our community and this family in this way. So we have a number of people who met on Friday who have taken ownership of different aspects of this event, and they're going to be soliciting your help. So we have a list out on the back that if you could sign up, or maybe you're already, um, I know, Jeff got way ahead of this, and he was, he, he was, he was recruiting people right away. So um, if you've already been asked, that's fine. But there's going to be a number of different ways of serving. That We have to set up the tables and chairs. We may end up doing some decorating. We're going to be ushering people so that they're sitting in, in places that they need to sit. We're going to be welcoming them in. We're going to be directing them to the restrooms. We're going to be serving the refreshments. We're going to be providing the refreshments. We are going to be cleaning up everything. And, and, and some of our people are going to help them put together a slideshow and the handout um, with, the, with the eulogy on it. So we need your help. Even if you can't help, please attend. Um, and so it's going to be at the Monroe Fairgrounds. There will be some more information about it, but it's, it's, they're expecting so many people that they needed a larger venue from what we could offer here. And they're also going to have shifts from um, the prison come down, and so they needed it to be closer to that facility, so the, the Monroe Fairgrounds um, worked out the best. So, if you could help, would you please sign up? And if, and if you don't sign up, someone's probably going to tug your shoulder and say, hey, will you help anyway? Um, so, we really want this to be a testimony and glorify God and, and a testimony to our community that we actually do love people. And we do. And that's one of the things you guys are so good at. And so I'm expecting nothing less than just an amazing turnout. Just the, the, if you remember how it worked with um, you know, the community picnic we had, I was just so blessed and so amazed at how many people stepped up. And I'm expecting nothing less here. And so praise God for that in advance. All right, let's have our kids come on up. Do we got any kids today? Come on, you guys. I'm apologizing in advance for my artwork. Okay, hang on, buddy. No, that's probably not what you want to do right now. No, no, we don't want to put it back either. Okay, so back up a little bit and sit down. Hang on, back up a little bit, Dawson. There you go, buddy. All right, hopefully this is going to work. You've got to keep this. So... Disclaimer in advance. No, sit back, buddy. Sit back. No. Um, it's going to get loud. Today, our... Yeah, be careful. Be ready. Um, today, our sermon is about grace and peace. Have you guys heard the word grace? What does it mean? What does grace mean? Besides a really cool name, if that's your name. Grace is when God gives us favor and something we don't deserve instead of what we do deserve. So grace is when God says, no, you really deserve to be punished, but instead I'm going to give you eternal life. That's grace, and we all need it. Does, does any of us never do anything wrong? 
No. And so we need grace, not only grace from God all the time, but grace to be saved, but also grace during every day, because every day we wander off a little bit and we need God's favor even when we don't deserve it, especially when we don't deserve it. So I'm going to do some things here. <clears throat> this is this is actually a balloon, right? But it has a person's face on it, so it's going to represent a person. And this is the fire of sin. And when God made people to start with, they didn't have sin. They didn't. And they had peace because of it. And then when they went into the Garden of Eden and God said, don't do this one thing. Just one thing, he said, don't do this one thing. And what was the very thing that they did? They ate of the fruit that God said not to. And because of that, which was then sin, all people that have these things look like this balloon. Oh, my goodness. They died and it blew out the candle. It did that when I tried it in advance, too. So, no surprise there. So, that represents boom, death. And that death is actually means separation from God. Okay? The God who supplies all the things that they need, all the things that, that, that make them happy, all the things that satisfy them are now removed because, because of sin. Okay, so do you think that this guy could ever fix himself? No. no. No, he can't fix himself. He's, he's, that's a bad shape, man. It looks like a glove now. Um, and man could never fix his relationship with God on his own. What he needed was grace. And so, here, again, excuse my artwork. So again comes King Jesus. King Jesus, and he says, Because I love you, I'm going to put myself in your place. And Jesus died. Now, this guy who died, he has no way of fixing anything now, does he? But how about Jesus? Yes, because Jesus comes back to life and gives us victory over death, over our candle. Okay, so now Jesus has given us hope so that we don't have to die. It's okay, you guys. There's probably going to be no more, more of that. All right, so here I am now. What's that say? Grace. And so here I am now with a very crudely constructed face of Jesus and me together with the grace of God now... Am I going to die for my sins? No, because there's water. That's right. And that water is the grace that God gives me to take care of the penalty for my sins. So now instead of dying, by grace I get to live with Jesus forever. All right, that's it. That's our lesson. And you guys are going to go downstairs and then come back up for communion.
right, we do have some debris. Once again, <clears throat> I hope you um, were paying attention to the lesson. This is for you. On our rapid journey through 2 Thessalonians, one verse at a time, our journey, grace and peace, our journey from one to the other and back. What does that mean? Our journey from one to the other and back. So you, because when God created human beings, did they need grace? No, they didn't. And they had peace? Yes, they did. Because they had everything God had designed for them. And they didn't have sin in their lives yet. And so grace was unnecessary at that point, and peace was abundant in their lives. That was the journey. When I say the journey, our journey, I mean mankind. Now, you'll have a personal journey yourself, but you never started with, with total peace and no need for grace. Because once the fall happened, what everyone needed was grace. Because without grace, you never have peace. We're going to talk about the correlation between those two things. Grace and peace. Now, one of the things we see... I don't have my clicker thing. Hang on. Hopefully this one will work. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know if you recognize this. <laughs> it's at the beginning of every single one of Paul's letters. Every single one. Now, some people think Paul and I'm not sure, wrote uh, Hebrews, and it doesn't have this greeting. But Peter also has it in his letters. Um, John, not so much. But this is a very popular greeting, right? And again, we talked about this before. Uh, this is just a gimme. Skip over that and actually get to the, the root of and, and the meat of the passage. This says a lot. It says a lot. We need to think about this. And how important grace is in order for us to have peace. Peace is a very valuable commodity, whether you recognize it or not. And most of the time we don't recognize it because we don't have it. Because there are so many things in our life we're going to talk about here in a minute. All of the ways that we are in conflict with the things around us, with God, with ourselves, that rob us of peace. But in the end, you will have complete peace again if you have accepted Jesus Christ. And you can have peace now. We're going to talk about that, how it's available now. Because peace is God's gift to us when everything is working the way it's supposed to. We're going to have it. And when things aren't working, we lose it. Or we can lose it. So we're going to see... As we go through this message, you're going to see a progression of how grace and peace correlate to one another and how grace is necessary in every single phase of your life. This grace thing, we're going to look at it, what it is, but we are very prone as human beings 
to want to do stuff on our own. So you're saying, well, why is grace such an important topic? You know, I get it, grace saved me, amazing grace and all that. But, but we have to understand that grace is at the root of everything that God is doing because it's undeserved. Frankly, what was really deserved was God just <clears throat> establishes a scorched earth policy and starts over. That's what we deserved. That's what, this, that's what this universe deserved. Everything was broken when sin entered it, and it was less than what God had intended it to be in his original design. Therefore, what it actually deserved by a totally just God who was absolutely holy and absolutely just was get rid of it, start over. Every aspect of our lives in God is based on grace, but we are very prone as human beings to want to take credit or want to take control, or want to do it our way, or want to attach works to it in every aspect of it. So we're going to go through each aspect of our lives and see how necessary grace is and how it is the key that unlocks the door of peace. <clears throat> so we see this greeting, um, and we, we talked about the fall in the beginning and how we started out with peace and then lost it because we were broken. And only grace can resolve the conflicts that man faced because he's totally unable to do it on his own. In this life, only partial peace is going to be possible for you because we are at war with God as we start. We are at war with ourselves, we're going to see. We are at war with the other people that are broken. We are in conflict with the creation that we have, and we are enemies of the devil. Each one of those things produces conflict, and each one of those conflicts can rob you of peace. And so how do we find an answer in every one of these books and the letters and, and, and throughout the New Testament, this grace and peace and grace and peace keeps coming up again and again. And we know that it's important to God. We know that these are important elements. How are they important? And why is it so important for me to recognize that every step of my salvation, every step of my sanctification, and every bit of my eternal destiny is based in grace and produces peace? We're going to examine how grace leads us in every way of our life and how it's absolutely essential for everything. Grace is the key that unlocks peace. Grace was God's plan to reconcile that which was broken back to himself. Grace was the point of, of the 4,000-year object lesson of the Old Testament. See, what he was showing us was, I'm going, to, I'm going to make some agreements with you, and there's going to be agreements that I make where you have to do something, and I will do this in return. And time after time after time after time, it became very, very apparent that no matter what deal was made with man, as long as he had something he had to produce on his own, it was never going to work. And so the entire Old Testament is there to point us to the need for grace, and that grace was attained through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It's very, very important. 
Most of us have little problems. Some of us still have some. And, and, and certainly the doctrine of uh, let's combine works and grace together was a big problem for the church for a long time. And finally, at the, in the Reformation movement, they came out and they said, look, this is by, Scripture says this, it's by grace alone through faith alone. And that faith was a gift from God. So most of us, at this point, hopefully in your Christianity, hopefully if you've been here at Machias Community Church very long, you recognize that that is the doctrine we teach. That your salvation has nothing to do with anything righteous you might have done. It is not something you had to earn from God. It was absolutely 100% grace through faith. And that faith was given to you by God as an act of grace. And so grace, we get that. Okay, most of us say, okay, I get I was saved by grace, but now I have to really earn it to keep it. Or I have to perform, or if I don't, if I'm not really good, then God's going to take it away. And so we struggle with grace in the sanctification phase of our lives. And, and we see that in Galatians. If you read through the book of Galatians, starting in chapter 3, it talks about, oh, you foolish Galatians, you began this journey of reconciliation in the Spirit, and now you're trying to work it out in the flesh. That is something that's very, very easy for us as human beings to do because I want to be in control. Okay, God, maybe you did it all and saved me, but, but now certainly I am in control of this process, right? I can be good for you, God. I can work it out. And you'll just try and fail and try and fail and try and fail and then just kind of fake it. So we have to recognize that not only was grace the main component and the only real component of our salvation, it also is necessary for every aspect of our life in Christ. On our own, we can do nothing. Did God give us the ability to please Him? Yes, He did. Did God give us the ability to be changed? Yes, He did. But it won't be by working at it on your own. You have to recognize that grace is the component which should leave you to some responses. We're going to talk about those later. How should I be responding to the fact if I am actually getting up every day and recognizing that everything that I can do for God today, all the changes that he's making are actually an act of grace. I participate. But no, God, without your help, I can't even do anything to please you. It should elicit some responses in our life and in our thoughts. You can just imagine what those might be. We're very, very tempted to become self-righteous rule followers and believe that our righteousness is based on our own performance. But the Bible says the best we can do is nothing but filthy rags. So from a biblical perspective, we're going to follow our journey as mankind from perfect peace by grace back to perfect peace again and it's an amazing story of God's love and mercy and hope for us. Oops. Okay. So here we have the verse. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this grace? The undeserved, unearned favor of God bestowed upon us because of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. Any um, problems there? Grace. It's undeserved and it's unearned. Why would God do that? 
Why would God not just give us what we deserve? Well, we, we talked about that in Sunday school. You missed it. You weren't there. According to the verse we read there in, uh, in 1 Peter, it was because of God's love for us. See, the grace is an outpouring of God's love. Because truly, when God is perfect, and he's completely just, and he's completely holy, he cannot tolerate you and me. And so God's love generated grace, which allowed Jesus to die and take the penalty for our sins, and to loan us his righteousness as it wraps around us positionally, and God could then satisfy his justice and his holiness while still administering mercy and grace. And we just can't forget that. And so it should re- elicit some responses. We should be humble. We should understand that I didn't deserve this, and God just gave it to me because he loved me. And Why did he love me? I don't know. I'm not really lovable on my own. We should never take credit for it. We should never try to work for it or earn it. Don't you understand? If I was to give you, here, I'm just write you a check, I can't do this, for $10 million and I gave it to you, and I said, look, no strings attached, I just love you and I just, I just want to give this to you, and then you start finding ways to say, yeah, but, yeah, but I really deserved it. And, and look, he gave it to me, he didn't give it to everybody else here, so I must be really cool and I must be really good. And, and frankly, see, the way I act, I am much better than the rest of you, so it's clear why I got chosen. We can't do that. You know, and, we, and so we start to be changed, and God is working in us, and then and all of a sudden we get a little puffed up and we start being Pharisees and thinking, yeah, I can do this thing. See, and it's very tempting, even as a mature Christian, to think, see, yeah, see, God chose me and, and he saved me, but boy, I'm doing pretty good. We need to submit. Our response to recognizing God's grace when we see it is to submit totally to God and his Holy Spirit so he can maximize the change in us. We need to worship and praise. One of the things we looked about today in, in, in our song was the grace that brought me into the fold of God. You recognize we sang that together. The grace that brought me into the fold of God. We need to worship God. We said it and we sang it. Hopefully you sang it with a heart of worship that God, I am so blessed. I didn't choose you. You chose me. I am so blessed. I just want to thank you and praise you for that all the time. Wake wake up in the morning and thank God that he made you a child of God. We want to rely on it constantly. Instead of trying to rely on our own efforts and our own strength and our own wisdom, instead of doing that, rely on grace. Run to God when you fail because of grace. Don't try to double down your own efforts and say, I can work harder, God, I'll just work harder. That's not what he wants from you. He wants submission from you by grace. He's allowed you to fail and not be vaporized. Never take it for granted and never abuse it. That's one of the things that's a problem. You know, there's this, call, it's called the uh, fr- uh, total grace movement, or, or, or there's a movement that just says, well, I'm, I'm saved by grace, and it's all God, and so therefore it doesn't really mean matter how I live anymore. Not true. Don't take it for granted. Don't abuse it. Don't abuse God's grace. It says very clearly in Romans, you know, should we just gra- go on sinning that grace may abound? Heaven forbid. So we don't want to do that, but we also want to appreciate it for what it is. 
and never or always, never take it for granted, never abuse it, but let it lead you to glorifying obedience. God-glorifying obedience. I want that grace to lead me to the path of obedience because I am so grateful to the Father that saved me for no reason of my own that I do want to do the things that please Him and let that grace lead you to a God-glorifying obedience. Bask in it. Enjoy the peace that it provides. Okay, so here we go. What is grace? Then what is peace? Okay, grace. Oh, I must have flipped by it again. What am I doing wrong? There we go. Peace. An inner sense of security and strength, confidence, calmness, and well-being independent of outside circumstances. How would you like that? A positive inner sense of security. Why? Because God's in control. Of strength. Why? Because I'm doing it in God's strength. Of confidence. Why? Because I know God's got my back. Of calmness. Why? Because I know God's working all things together for good for my, for my benefit. And well-being because I know God's in control of everything. And so therefore, I can have peace even when the world around me, even when my own life is in chaos. That's the peace that God is offering you here and now. He's going to finish the job later, as we'll see. By grace through faith, God reconciled us back to himself through Christ. So the very first thing is, I need peace with God. When we sin, and now we were born into a sinful nature, and we are at war with God is when we start out our existence. The very first thing in order for us to progress along the grace, peace, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the right word. Continuum. Thank you. Is that we have to be reconciled to God. You cannot do that on your own. If I want to have peace with God, and you do not want to be at war with God, we know that. In order for me to have peace with God, the only way I can get it is through grace. It says here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Actually, it should be Ephesians chapter 2. Um, By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, meaning the faith, and not a result of works that no one may boast. So it's very clear God is saying, I am going to reconcile you back to me, but guess what? It's a gift. It's by grace only, through, by grace alone, through faith alone. It's not a result of works because I don't want you getting a big head. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what it's saying there is, since we've been justified, or since we have now been reconciled to God, and, and, and God's justice was satisfied by Christ, not by us, we now have peace with God. That's the very beginning of God reestablishing the peace that he designed you to have when he first created us. Peace with God. By grace, God, through his Holy Spirit, begins to transform us back into our original design, the image of Christ. And that equals the beginning of peace with ourselves. See, we have this battle going on, even as Christians, right? So, so by grace I was saved, 
But now I still have this inner conflict, and Paul talks about it in Romans, you know, the, the very things that I hate to do, I do, and, and, and all the things that is sin living in me, and what a wretched man that I am, and who will save me from this? And then he goes on to say, well, it's, it's life in the Spirit. And so we see the Holy Spirit begins to transform us back into our original design, the image of Christ, and that is equals the beginning of us trying to find peace within this conflict that we have of our new nature and our old nature. And God says, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you, and he's going to be in there to kill the old you completely and reestablish the new you, which is in my image. And we have that same conflict. And so we, that's, that is part of why we don't have peace at times when we're disobedient, when we're rebellious, and God has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sins. We find ourselves unable to have peace anymore. How many of you have ever seen or heard someone say, you know, gosh, I can just sin and it used to not bother me. Now I'm a Christian and I'm miserable. That's a gift from God. Pointing you back to peace and saying, if you want that kind of peace now, you're going to have to let me change you. And so that is the beginning of peace for that inner turmoil that we have when our old nature is in conflict with the new person that God has made us. It says there, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, for the mind of flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So he's saying, look, if you live according to your flesh the way you used to live, I'm robbing you of peace. You're not going to find it. And in fact, it's heading you towards, what does it say, death. So if you really want to find peace now, you have to live by my Holy Spirit. I've given it to you. He's in there, and you have to submit to him. And live by Him. That is one of the key things that you can do if you want to struggle for something, if you want to strive for something. Strive to submit yourself to the power of God's Holy Spirit. If you want to know, how do I live a Christian life? How do I walk a Christian walk? How can I become more like Christ? It's this. Not try to do better on your own. It is strive to resist your flesh and submit yourself to God's Holy Spirit, and He will do the work. And you will start to find peace in your life, regardless of what's going on around you. By grace, we receive daily forgiveness for our sins and constant cleansing. That brings a renewed peace within ourselves. See, even in our Christianity... We are still, on a practical day-to-day basis, we still sin. And that sin causes conflict. And that sin, because of we have a Holy Spirit, we, we find ourselves convicted. And, we, and we, sense, we have a sense of guilt about it. And God says, no, I really do want peace. And how do I reestablish myself? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the things that Christians, you can ask, and I remember hearing um, R.C. Sproul once on, a, on an interview um, as an apologist asking a non-Christian who he was debating, what do you do with your guilt? 
What do you do because God has given you a sense of right and wrong, even though you don't accept it necessarily? But in there, he's given you a conscience, and that, that is part of being created in the image of God. What do you do with your guilt? I'll ask you, what do you do with your guilt? Hopefully it's this. Hopefully you take it to God, you confess it, and he's faithful and just to forgive us, not just forgive us, but cleanse us. That daily cleansing, that can, as Ruby used to say, fresh mercy every morning, right? We need it. We need it on a more than a daily basis. Sometimes it's an hour by hour, maybe minute by minute. God, this sin is robbing me of the peace that I have. I need to repent. I need to confess and every single time, every single time without fail, it says, yes, I will forgive it and cleanse you of its peace-robbing effects. So we can, by grace, by grace, remember, this is God, I don't owe you this, this is, I am forgiving you because of the work that my son did I am forgiving you, and on a daily basis, I am administering grace to you every time I forgive your sins, these practical sins that you're doing that, that, that take you off the path and, and create this conflict inside you. And because my Holy Spirit is convicting you, it's robbing you of peace, and I will restore it every time you bring it to me, every single time you bring it to me. And then we don't. And it piles up. And it starts to really nag on us. And it starts to, to, to rob us of our identity. It starts to cause us to question. And all we have to do is stop, bring it to God, repent, and confess it. And he'll take it. Praise God. And that is an act of grace. By grace, God's Holy Spirit gives us supernatural peace when the trials of this world overcome us. So that equals peace regardless of circumstances. By grace, not because I earned it, not because I was a good boy, not because I was following God well. No, even when I'm not, God says, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit who will give you supernatural peace when the trials of this world overcome us regardless of the circumstances. Right here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. What he's saying there is, look, I'm giving you access to peace. This is a hard one. This is a hard one. We talked about it again in Sunday school this morning. How do I have, how do I actually find peace, much less joy, in the middle of trial? Well, God said this in his scripture. Um, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. In fact, it says in Romans, if you don't have it, you're not really even mine anymore. So I'm giving it to you, and every single one of you has it, and guess what he brings? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. What's in there? Love, joy, peace. So you have an unlimited peace giver inside you who is willing to administer by grace peace into your life when everything around you is chaos. 
The rest of the world doesn't have that. I don't know how they do it. I frankly do not know how they do it. I've never had to face anything of significance without Christ. Sometimes I didn't have the peace God intended me to have, but it was my fault because I wasn't relying on him. But he has given us the ability to have peace in a world that's seemingly more and more chaotic all the time. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your quest be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Why does it surpass all understanding? Because it doesn't make sense. Because the world's going to be looking at you like, wow, man, your, your world is just burning up around you, burning up at your feet, and there you are? I, I, where's all the angst? Where, where's all the depression? Where's all of, of the, the anxiety and all of the, the, the loss of control? You seem to be perfectly calm. Yeah, that's a, that's a gift from God. I don't have to live as a victim of my circumstances. I don't have to. Oftentimes I do. But I don't have to. Because God says, I will give you peace. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you can even have joy. Most of the time we need a little help with that. Most of the time we need each other. And that's why God gives us the family of God. One of the reasons he gives us, you, you and I, each other, is so that we can come around and re- remind ourselves in the times of trouble that peace is there. And we need to do that. I would hope that nothing like what happened to Dan Spaeth happens to one of my family members. But if it did, as awful as it was, this promise is still there for me. Think about those that have to deal with things like that with no, with no peace from God which should be one of the other responses, motivate us when we see others around us without God dealing with the trials of life with no peace as a motivator to share the hope that you have. Hopefully that will happen two weeks from yesterday, on the 21st, as we are there to serve, that we have the opportunity to show people that God's given us a peace in the midst of really bad circumstances. No anxiety. By prayer, with thanksgiving, bring it to God and accept the peace that passes understanding. God is making peace available, not just in the sweet by and by when he's fixed everything, including you and me and our environment and gotten rid of all sin, and dwelt with us personally in the new heaven and the new earth. But right now, I'm looking forward to the next one, but I could certainly be a better participant in peace today. And according to Scripture, it's right there. I have to go to God for it, and I have to rely on Him. So we have peace with God. The beginning of peace with ourselves... Peace in spite of the broken world and broken people around us and Satan. 
God gives us all that. Now, he, he, did, he didn't say and he didn't promise, yes, I'm going to remove all external sources of conflict. He didn't say that. We're still going to have problems with other people. We still have a little bit of a problem with ourselves too, but um, that's, on the, that's on God's work, work list and, it's, and you're a work in progress. But I, he's not promising us that life is going to quit being hard. He's not promising us that other people aren't going to be a source of conflict. And he isn't promising us that Satan is going to leave us alone. What he's saying is, in the midst of those things, I've given you the opportunity to experience peace. And then the final stroke of God's love. By grace, God continues the process of sanctification even when we don't cooperate. Even when at times we resist. Even when I'm not looking to God and surrendering myself, by grace, He never stops. And then trials are His best tool. So may now the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God is leading us towards peace even when we don't cooperate. By grace, he loves us and us. Also talked about that in Sunday school this morning. How do I get to that place where I can see God's allowing and sometimes causing trials in my life as an act of God's love and grace and then find joy in it and find peace in it? Granted, that takes some maturity. Granted, it's not something that's easy and it's not something that's intuitive, but it is possible, made possible, by God's work in your life. And He, thankfully, because of grace, will never give up. That's a real peace giver to me, thinking back at all the times when I resisted God. And had, had God been anything like me or any other human being that I know, he would have given up on me long ago. By grace, he's still working to give me peace now. By grace, God blesses us and shields us from some trials, but then uses trials to perfect us, which increases our inner peace in spite of us. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, it's tested by fire, may be found to result in glory and praise and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. By grace... Jesus is increasing our inner peace in spite of us. And it has eternal benefits. Even though for now you've been given these trials so that I will test your faith, which will result in eternal honor and glory for you. So I can find peace, you know, even though it says in James, you know, consider it pure joy, brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith. These trials are perfecting you so that you will be complete, immature, lacking in nothing. So I know that there is a reason for it now, but I can also see that there is a peace and a joy that I can have because it's my God 
using trials to perfect me now is going to give me eternal benefits. By grace, God is increasing our inner peace in spite of us. By grace, God finishes the job. Because of Christ, we in our new world are completely restored for eternity. And that will result in peace, which is assured forever. God will take care of all the conflicts. God is eventually going to fix everything. He's, he's fixed my war with him. He's fixed me, so I'm no longer at war with myself. He's eliminated all those other things. He's fixed the environment that I live in. He's cast Satan into the pit and covered him up forever. And those that are no longer of Christ will be separated from God. All sources of conflict will be gone. And true and perfect peace will reign. Because there will be no other option. Peace will simply be a result of the changes and restoration that God has made. It will be impossible for us not to have it. It is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 9. In the end, grace, timeless, limitless peace with God, with ourselves, with others, and the world around us. God has a plan for you. It is to eliminate conflict in your life eventually and restore peace. Right now, you can have peace with God and you can begin the, the journey of peace with yourself. God is in there working to help you if we just recognize that it's always by grace. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for grace. It is truly the key that unlocks all the other things that we need in order to find the grace that you intended for us to have when you created us in the beginning. Lord, help us to never forget that it is truly by grace and not by ourselves and to take advantage of the peace that you offer when we surrender ourselves to your Holy Spirit. We just thank you and praise you in how you're working in our lives and how you're going to continue even in spite of us many times. So Lord, we, we want to continue to give you all the praise and glory knowing that it was by grace we'd been saved through faith. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.